Hi. Welcome, Welcome to, to Pilgrim's Processes. Processes. Uh, we are actually really excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, today. actually. <laughs> For real. For it's, real it's, this it's, uh, time. It's one, one of those movies that we saw uh, and we both really enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but first, we want to start out by giving a little shout out to our local theater, The Grand Illusion. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, The Grand Illusion. They're allowing us to view incredible independent cinema from the comfort of our very own homes right now during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 something where it's like, if you're a, a bratty millennial like us, you'll be like, I can just download these movies. But it's, it it is cool to be able to be like, oh, let me, like, give money to this theater that I really like and ideally would like to see after the pandemic uh, so that they can bring me good movies that I want to see and then uh, I can see other movies at the actual theater. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's It feels it feels good. It feels fucking good to um, still be able to give money to uh, a theater that's, you know, closed operations right now and a theater that I really like to visit and see all sorts of cool movies at, um, which is also where we saw uh, Give Me Liberty, um, a very similar movie yeah. to the movie that we're, we're talking about today. Yeah, I was going to say, like, actually surprisingly thematic. Uh, Grand, Grand Illusion's been pretty good on programming. There's There's some... There's some misses. Uh, <laughs> you you watched and you watched another film, and then when I was like, "Should I watch it?" You were like, "No." <laughs> oh, uh, extraordinary! Yeah, no, we, not worth not worth seeing or talking about. Uh, but you know, it might be your thing. Who knows? That's not what we're here to talk but, about. Uh, but the reason we want to start by giving that shout out is we also want to encourage people who are at home now is a great time to see if your local indie theaters are doing anything like this or need any sort of support because we want you to support the arts yeah. <laughs> and, and support and support the people who make it so that you can see independent films without reading over like obscure trade ma- magazines or whatever and then downloading them yeah yeah don't be uh don't let things go back to how they were yeah let 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 the big theaters die let marvel studios die yeah fucking uh, amc <laughs> fuck a... and, and let and let theaters with names like, like the third balcony continue to stay open or fucking whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for real. Um, but yeah, AMC, AMC, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Um, I. But yeah, let's talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> with it, well, with it, yeah, yeah. Without any, I was trying to think of another theater chain, but it, it's just such an absurd monopoly. It, it's AMC, and then there's. What fucking Regal is Regal? Uh, Regal. No, no. Um, I think there's a few others that are more regional because AMC like wasn't around where I was like in like California. I think. Yeah, I remember Harkins. Uh, oh, Harkins! I forgot about that one. Yeah, but anyway, fuck all that. Fuck all that. Uh, we're here to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, we missed you. Um, yeah. Uh. So. If the name hasn't given it away, uh, it is about basically Amazon delivery. <laughs> yeah. So it's a really good movie to watch right now. <laughs> uh, it re- really prescient. Like it's very much like it's it's not like, you know, like there's a pandemic in the film, 
Right. But it is literally like focused on a family where the f- mother and father both work jobs that are high stress and very, very important and very, very exploited. Uh, and literally both of their positions are now qualified as like essential labor now <laughs> and treated basically the same way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we do, we do know an individual, uh, who, who may be involved in action of some kind. <laughs> I, I mean, I might cut this out. Honestly, I'll probably will. Uh, uh, we could, we could, we could more, we can more nominalize it. Um, we do know, uh, so you asked me if the person we both know who's worked as a, as a driver in this capacity, uh, watched this film, uh, and they have not, um, that's that's what you said during the technical difficulties, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that led to the previous uh, five seconds being static or whatever. <laughs> um, they haven't, but they have told me a lot about what it was like working for, let's call it not Amazon. Uh, <laughs> let's call it dumb Amazon. Uh, and the second in this film when he is like, by the way, you're going to need this uh, bottle to piss in. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about the piss bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's two types of people. People who are like, oh, that's fake. That's not real. And people who are like, yeah, there's the piss bottle. There's. I was wondering when they were going to address the, the, the lack of bathroom access in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. We, like, we, we, know an, we know an individual, basically, um, you know. Like I said, who are not going to name who may be involved in some sort of action against the Amazon in the near future. We'll see. Uh, against dumb Amazon. Sorry, sorry. Dumb Amazon. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. f- yeah, this movie, um, for for everything that it is, it shows, like, the absolute, like, it, it definitely, like, shows the ways that workers for... Uh, these types of places are completely taken advantage of and how things have just gotten worse and worse and worse generationally um, to where people's like, you know, like compensation and like fucking like human rights and just shit are just like barely a consideration of their employers. Yeah. So like, for example, in this film, the, um, the, the main characters like job as essentially a, a, Amazon-like company, some sort of delivery company. Um, basically, everything in the film that's depicted also applies to like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, yeah. uh, the various food delivery apps. Any any anything that would be qualified as gig economy labor, and that is basically your boss is an app, um, mm-hmm. or or an actual man who tells you to listen to the app because he has to make the numbers go up uh, in order to retain his job. And it doesn't matter how the numbers go up. They just have to go up. Yeah. Uh, it all applies. It's all the same systems. It's all the same systems of exploitation. It's all the same. Oh yeah. You know, like it sucks that you got jumped and you had to go to the hospital Ho- hospital, but like, you know, we still got to get those numbers up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you don't, you don't have sick time. You don't have paid time off because you're not an employee. 
you're a contract worker or a freelancer or you're using the app and you and the film they frame it as like it's you're starting your own business you're the franchise yeah. owner so it's it's basically turning every employee in the film and this is how it works in your life from you are an employee and therefore we have like legal like you have legal rights and we have like a legal relationship to like no 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 you own your own business it just happens to be that your business is being my employee yeah i i thought that touch was so so important because it's all this language that's supposed to be like it's supposed to sound kind of liberating but it's all just like fluffy and uh like well you're te- yeah you're technically like a business owner but you are still like you know you're treated like a lackey and uh, there's just like a bunch of people who are like blowing up at each other uh, in the warehouse all the time. Uh, and like, yeah, he he's like expected to use his own uh, like his own property to complete the job. Like because the van is sort of something that he is expected to like take care of. Uh, and they're not really like his boss isn't really interested in helping him uh, sort of maintain uh, basically like maintain it um, and he's he, there's like a point in the movie where like they assume that his son uh, like stole his keys and shit it, it's just like such a such a fucking mess but it, it's so perfectly like because every contract job I've worked at has been like that type of that type of language of just like oh like you're you're like a self-starter and you're you know you're not like we don't consider you our employee. We consider you our, you know, like our uh, business partner or our confidant or whatever. Um, meanwhile, like you just like have no benefits uh, and like it, no PTO ever. It, it is quite literally transferring. And again, this is like what we were saying. This is how the gig economy works. And the film does a fantastic job of just showing that in action and showing that in like the explicit ways in which you are sort of sold into this program. And then like the ways in which you consist, like you will run up against the walls of realizing it. It, it is transferring wholly the risk of running a business and of starting a business to the employees while continuing to take all the reward of running a business. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like the risk of you are responsible for this property, you are responsible for your safety, you are responsible for your employees, health insurance, all of this stuff that is like that is the literally the job of the business to be invested in because they are the one who makes all of the money. Yeah. But they just transfer it to the employees while still taking all of the money that they make. Yeah, absolutely. While still yeah, still seeing nothing but like benefits. There's there's like a small line in the film that I really love because it like really shows that tension uh, in like kind of a minor way where his when the dad first is sold on it and he comes home and he's telling his family, you know, he's like trying to boast to his son and he's like, oh, he's like, you'll fall. they're all Irish. So they talk like Lenny. Uh He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, your dad, your dad's going to be a franchise employee. And he just goes like, oh, well, you get into McDonald's. and it's like i like that i love that line and it stuck out to me because it's like it shows immediately how much it's bullshit because the son is franchise employee and thinks like you're running your own business and then he's like no no no, i'm just gonna be delivering a truck and his son is just like that's not a franchise that's being a delivery driver (laughs) that is that's just an employee yeah i okay i i do want to like the center point sort of like conflict of the movie i thought was like 
really, really stellar, where it's just, like, all of this fighting between uh, the son and his father. Um, just because, like, it, it really reflected the types of, like, I, I don't I don't speak for, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily speak for you or for anybody else, but for me, that's, like, pretty much the base of, like, all of the conflict, like, as I was growing up, was just, like, this economic tension that was just ever present in my house, uh, it, which would just kind of, uh, which would just kind of arise as, like, extreme, you know, hostility and just, like, screaming fights, like, all the time, um, which is, like, normal in capitalist countries. Like, the, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's normal to have these, like, really difficult frayed family relationships where, like, the, I guess you know the both of we're like at this point we're like we're post dragon so both like parental figures are just expected to be working themselves to the bone and you know we're just like expecting kids to like take care of themselves uh which is you know maybe not the greatest future planning uh from from just like a social uh standpoint literally literally raise themselves and raise each other yeah uh, yeah, that's that is uh, no, that, that's 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 a huge thing that I think really makes the film work is like, you know, we're talking about the way it talks about capitalism and stuff. But the big thing that and this is I, I was reading up on it, the director, Ken Loach, I'm actually surprised I haven't seen some of his stuff. I was reading over his filmography and I've heard of a lot of it. I just have never watched it. But a lot of his stuff focuses on like working class families and whatnot. And this film really shows you a family that at the onset of the film already has tensions and stresses but like you know manageable like reasonable family yeah. tensions and, and like stresses and differences of need that are in conflict with each other and then it just shows how like the 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 systems that the parents are enmeshed in in a desperate attempt to survive sucks everything out of them and leaves like no no like meat for the for those tensions to be like cushioned by so by the end of the film, it's just like joints grinding on joints. It's just like pure tension. Every like every moment that the family has that it interacts is now poisoned by this because they don't have any. There's no comfort. There's no room for them to breathe because of work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it, it just kind of pushes them like way past the breaking point. Uh, and, and yeah, there's just like all sorts of. Like, yeah, because like you said, the regular family tensions are certainly there, but they're just so overloaded with, like, absolutely everything and just constantly, like, none of them ever having, like, any security in, like, anything that they're doing. Um, and it's really, it's really tough to watch. It made for, like, probably one of the hardest, like, movie watches that I've, like, had in a, in a while. It, like, it was really, really rough. It's a, I, I, I grew up basically like not obviously not around Irish versions of that, like, uh, but I definitely grew up around like these kinds of like those family dynamics and like those kinds of neighborhoods. So it was like very, very immediately identifiable. It's, it's, it plays with a lot of the same themes Parasite does in that way, mm -hmm. but more, more of it turning inward, the way it turns inwards or the way it turns outwards. Um, and like, like the, the sun's arc specifically especially was like really well constructed for that because again it starts off that that normal tension uh and so essentially in the film 
you know, the son's rebellious. He wants to do graffiti art. He he wants his parents to go back to the way things were. He's a young teen boy. He doesn't quite understand what's going on. He doesn't see a future for himself. He doesn't understand the purpose of, like, trying to go to college when what he sees is that, like, well, my future is just I'm going to end up like my parents anyway. So, like, I might as well do things that I want to do. Yeah. Those are those are very, very common, like, poor teenage boy, like, mindsets and behaviors. And the film really shows about how it just becomes this feedback loop of, like, our son is causing problems and is skipping school, uh, essentially acting out because of, like, the, these tensions at home and our inability to be as present. But because we can't take time off from work, we can't be present. So they keep getting worse because there's no way for us to stop them. And then we're also being held accountable for that where it's like, oh, well, your kid's not going to school, so we're going to fine you and, you're, and we're going to make him stay home now. But then there's no one going to be home to actually, like, make him like behave or homeschool him because they now have to definitely stay at work in order to afford the fines that he caused by not going to school. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, you know, an unruly son is like a much more complicated problem that is just kind of turned into like a number like part of like one of the fights that they have is just like, well, if you stop going to school, they're going to fine us when it's like all of the, all of the tension that's beca- that's coming between you and your son, or like a vast majority of it already, is just like economic tension. So how does that like, you know, how does that like instituted fine uh, fix anything it, or bring you closer or anything? It's it's literally just like this sort of punitive, uh, like kind of you know backhandedly classist measure uh, that's you know. That just that just creates more stress for them. Um, yeah, just a lot of stuff like it, that. It it makes me think of like this sort of like anecdote I remember that was going around for a bit about like the way rich people view fines, where it was just someone being yeah. like, "Oh, we can't park here. This is a no parking zone," and their friend just being like, "Oh no, you just have to pay the fee." Yeah, like yeah, like that. That's that's what it is. It's like it's a fine, but it's like if you're already in a position where you can't be available for your son to make sure they're going to school because you have to work like two full-time jobs. And one of you has to take the bus to every location and you're both out basically 12 to 14 hours a day. Putting a fine on them isn't going to like make them present. (laughs) It's going to make them less present because now they have to figure out a way to afford the fine. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, really, really, all of that tension is just super, super good. Uh, the scene where they, like, are accusing the son of stealing the keys and it's the daughter, that scene, like, did make me cry a little bit. Um, it's so, it's so sad, because, like, the, the daughter does such a good job, too, in that scene, like, of just selling, of, like, that sort of, like, young kid, like, child, child, child logic of like this and then seeing it just backfire so horribly and just the the overwhelming kid guilt of like not being able to lie about it but feeling like so tremendously guilty because it's like way it's so far outside of your your hands but you have no way of understanding that it is outside of your hands yeah yeah exactly like all of the performances especially in that scene were just like really 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 incredible um also, this was in competition for the Palme d'Or, uh, uh, same, basically, basically same year as Parasite. Can you imagine watching this movie in Parasite in, like, one sitting? 
God. I I can't imagine doing that at Palm Door and not killing someone there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just immediately swing I, on the next rich person. Could you... Can you imagine see, being at Palm Door and watching both of these films and just and then going home to your fucking mansion to to cheat on your wife with your secretary or fucking whatever? Being at Cannes. Whatever it is rich people do. Oh, my God. Yeah, going back to your fucking mansion in Holland or wherever. Your um, second mansion. Your summer mansion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will give like a little bit a little bit of a corner to the things that I really didn't love about the movie. Um, I will say that like the main thing for me, like the the big tentpole thing that stuck out is like this was too much for me. Uh, it, this is too far. Was um, when when he got when he got jumped, um, like that was fine. But when they like poured his own piss on him, I like. I don't know. I feel like if I'm if I'm jumping someone or just if any individual is jumping someone, you like that's still not a situation where you want to pick up and hold a bottle full of another human's piss. Uh, <laughs> but maybe I maybe I'm I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just not like everybody in that regard. That's that's Chav culture. Chavs love to be pouring piss on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, those Irish gangs that with their piss bottles uh uh that i i could definitely i i could definitely concede that is like that that's a moment in the film where it's the 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 power of the metaphor outweighs the like reasonable series of actions that would occur yeah like like i we already get it like we get that this sucks we he doesn't need to uh have i don't know if he necessarily needs to have pp uh on his clothes uh and body for for like not 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 because it doesn't imbue the, imbue the narrative with a sense of appropriate drama or whatever, but just but just because it I, like I kind of just was like, come on. <laughs> um, and the, and more the most and more I to could the say point. most oh, I so could good. say in defense of it is I could see it kind of mirroring because uh, the film also does like kind of look at like working class masculinity and the way in which this this sort of culture threatens it. Uh-huh. So there's. I, I would argue there's maybe a sense there that, like, these guys are assumedly stealing packages because that's their economic precarity. And so being wounded in a fight during it, like, wounds that masculinity as well. And that's the way to reaffirm it, which is sort of mirrored later in the film when the father physically assaults his son because of his own wounded mis- masculinity and because of the situation it presents. Uh, right, it means- is still very, it is still a very. A little, a little step outside of like kind of the realism that the rest of the film is going for. Yeah, yeah, it 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 felt like a it felt like a little bit of a departure, but I I I guess I don't know that that um that explanation helps it helps it for me a little bit, you know. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, the other thing I will say about it is that I I, I definitely I like I liked the structure of the narrative, um where like i'm 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 really growing on these types of movies that are uh just kind of like shakespearean sort of like fall from grace stories kind of like the uncut gemses of the world um and while this one had like a pretty decent climax uh 
it's like but part of me thinks that that piss scene <laughs> went like a little bit too far and part of me thinks that like the actual ending of the movie didn't go far enough where like i totally believe that he would go back to work uh and like you know basically functionally turn his back on his family um but uh which isn't to say that i have a better idea for how it should have ended but i was expecting something a little bit more like uh babylon uh, which is another movie that I super love that follows that follows that same sort of structure of just like, here's all this bad shit that's happening and you don't really know why or how it how everything necessarily relates to every other thing until the very end of the movie. Because um, the, the ending of Babylon is fucking incredible. I thought that I thought that was uh, super stellar. So like something. Um, so something something like that, but, you know, it's hard for me to say. Uh, I, I guess spoilers for Babylon. I haven't seen it. What happens at the end of Babylon? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Babylon is a movie about racial tensions in Britain during the uh, kind of like on the cusp of the Thatcher era, like right before Thatcher. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like primarily about these guys who like are super into like music and uh, like, you know, musicians and partying and all this shit. Uh and so there's just like a lot of uh there's like a lot of racial tension throughout the movie and a lot of like hate crimes and a lot of people being uh chased and like hassled by cops uh and shit like that um and as the movie kind of builds toward the ending there's this thing that happens at the end where like uh the main character's girlfriend's racist neighbor comes out and confronts the main character so he stabs him and then he runs to like the concert venue like while there's uh like basically while there's like a show going on and he grabs the mic and he starts being like basically he's getting chased by the cops and he runs into the concert venue and he grab uh venue and he grabs the mic and he starts singing and people are like wait the police are here the police are here and like the very last scene of it is like him just being like no everybody stay everybody stay everybody block the doors block the doors and he keeps singing mm-hmm. um and it like cuts to black it's it's like really really it's like really 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 good um so to kind of expand that to sorry we missed you i i it the ending the ending the ending felt uh it felt like a natural sort of ending but it was also just like oh man fuck like it it didn't um it it kind of petered out in a way like where where that statement could have been made more uh there i guess there could have been more of like a punctuation on on that statement of like yeah these people don't really have the choice they have like they have to work uh and it's pretty fucked up i i so i i will admit that like that that ending made me uh was it was a huge gut punch for me and i think it's because i admittedly have like very specific history with that specific kind of like experience of a person like you really shouldn't go to work because you like could die yeah (laughs) and then well i gotta and then they do um and i think it it helps that to me like kind of early on in the film i got a sort of death of a salesman vibe from it so Uh i sort of took that ending as sort of very similar to the ending of death of a salesman but without willie loman's car crashing in that Mm. you are supposed to be sort of left with this like same tension that his family has of just like, we have no idea if he's going to 
come home tonight. He has no idea if he's going to come home tonight, but he knows that if he doesn't die today, then he will be fired and he'll lose his job and his family will be in economic ruin. Whereas if he does go to work and doesn't die, then he still is able to make money for his family to live another day. You know, it's, it's, I I liked it because it represents the sort of like, prisoner's dilemma that like poverty and the intersection of that and like health and the lack of like a safety network that that comes with um basically puts you in a a prisoner's dilemma where it's like people end up essentially internalizing this idea of like well it's better for me to try to go to work and possibly die than to not try to go to work and then not die and then i get in trouble because i didn't go to work right um and as an aside, watching that, the scene where they go to the hospital and me remembering that uh, the UK has the NHS, which means that I was like, oh, wow, would really be even more fraught if this was in America where he also wouldn't have health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, 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 and that I would have really been a very thinking, interesting scene. Like very liked it in like that context too of just thinking about like, Man, this system is so exploitative that even if you actually have health insurance, you could still be forced into making those decisions because you work a job that doesn't actually have sick leave because you're not technically an employee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fucking bummer town. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, I definitely like I vibe with um, I vibe with all of that. And it's. That's not to say that I like despise the ending. I think it. I think it works. Um. And and. Uh. I don't know. Like I've also been in this situation of just being like. Hey, please stop working. Please fix your fucking family. Please, like you know. Uh. Like work. It work isn't everything, even though it wants. It kind of has to perpetuate the idea that it is. Uh. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I won't go, I won't go too far into it. I just, um, especially since it's hard for me to be like, ah, cause, uh, they should have made a better point, which is like, you know, yeah. easier fucking said than done. Um, but yeah, I mean like overall, I still like really, really enjoyed the movie and thought it was super, uh, super crucial. I didn't love it as much as give me Liberty. Um, as far as, as far as sort of, uh, movies of this, uh, genre and caliber go, but I I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how you, how you feel. I, I was going to say, I, it did actually make me want to rewatch Give Me Liberty. Um, I, I, I I still liked it a lot. It, It made me more interested in checking out his other films. Uh, the, the press thing that was attached to this for Grand Illusion, one of the poll quotes was Ken Loach is the Bernie Sanders of filmmaking. And I was like, I know what you're trying to say. That's a really weird way to say it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it did get me to read more more on his directorial stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is these are kind of like themes that he uh, returns to a lot in his work is like working class and like the the effects of poverty on like individuals. So I, I, I was interested. But um, for, those of, for those of you listening, if you haven't seen Give Me Liberty, super recommend it. Uh, we we did a video on on it as well. Yeah, I guess I recommend listening to us talk about it. But it's it's very very good, and I think um, I think one of the strengths that one has over this one, 
is that there's like a kind of ensemble cast going on with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's just, there, there's more moving pieces, which makes the, the overall execution of the film, like a lot more impressive. Yeah. Give me Liberty feels more, um, give, give me Liberty feels kind of like a, uh, a part two to, to, uh, this movie because this movie like shows us the problem and give me liberty like has these like little hints these little peaks of like okay here's the solution um and like that that's something that i find like really it's hard to ask for in media but it's it's like so priceless when it's there uh and uh yeah i i i do love that i i love calling ken loach the bernie sanders of filmmaking uh, <laughs> Lynn Ramsey is the Elizabeth Warren of filmmaking. <laughs> Jesus. Um, just call. Let's just call people like. Let's call who's who's the Hillary Clinton of filmmaking. Um. Ooh. Unironically, I would call George Lucas the W of like filmmaking. <laughs> oh my God. Roland Emmerich is the Pete Buttigieg of filmmaking. <laughs> I constantly forget Roland Emmerich is gay much like I constantly wish I could forget that Pete Buttigieg was gay <laughs> oh boy um uh, Kucinich is the Gregoraki of filmmaking <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about the film uh, is that I felt like and this is really just like a, a personal thing of my experience of like working uh, jobs is the the sequence where like he brings his daughter to work very cute they have a lot of cute interactions that's a very good scene um and then the sort of payoff of like oh you can't do that uh because we got a customer complaint and it's 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 against policy even though it clearly wasn't actually causing problems and probably isn't even against policy it was just well one customer complained so you can't do it now yeah um the 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 few thing i would say that i i think would have worked better is they make it very clear like who the customer who probably complained was because there's the whole thing where like his daughter leaves a note on the sorry we missed you thing that's like oh you owe my dad a new pair of pants because like he got attacked by a dog because they said to put it in the shed and there was a dog in their backyard that they didn't put away yeah um which that that very very accurate very good point there um but I feel like that the, the film kind of made it clear. It's like, oh, those people complained because they were mad that there was like a note from his daughter and they didn't like to they didn't like having to be reminded that their carelessness almost got another human seriously injured because they're selfish. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been way more realistic if we are only shown basically like neutral to positive reactions. And then he still is told, oh, we got a complaint. You can't do it. Because that is, like, real as hell, is getting a complaint and being like, who? <laughs> like, what? Like, nobody said anything to me. Like, there's no reason that, like, there would be a problem. And I think that, because, like, that's 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 usually how it is. It's just somebody secretly has a problem, but they don't want to say it to you, so they bring it up to your manager instead. And then you get in yeah. trouble for it. And that person never has to know, but they think that they did it. They did, like, the correct thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was that shit was really good. Uh, all all of the like weird sort of like rules and stipulations and like punishments that are constantly coming down on their head were like so on the nose and so on point for how it fucking feels <laughs> to work a con a shitty contract job. 
and just how disposable they make you feel like, well, like basically at the same time, love bombing you for how talented you are. But then the second there's any pushback, they're like, you're disposable. Fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, you're a business owner and you make the rules and you make the hours and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and oh, wait, we no, no, actually, we got a bad review because of something you did. So uh, basically, fuck you. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like there's a lot of. A lot of small details and just construction. I think the other thing that's like watching a film like this and either having worked a job like this or knowing people who've worked a job like this uh, kind of makes the first act of this film like a horror movie. Yeah. Where it's like, you know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you see him having nice conversations with the people he's delivering packages to. And you're like, you can't do that. <laughs> you see him being yeah, like, no. "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the package all the way up to your apartment for you." And you're like, "Dude, you can't do that. You don't have the time to do that." Yeah, it's, ugh, it, it's so, it's so hard to like, to, to kind of watch him like try to, try to kind of pre- uh, like presume the best in people, uh, and try to talk to them like human beings. Because I've been there. I remember when I, uh, assumed that uh, other people were just like you know, normal, uh, and you could talk to them. Uh, but like, yeah, those jobs completely, the idea of like delivering packages safely is completely outside of the like operating procedure of Amazon or just like any major deliverer. So like, yeah, no. There is, yeah, the, the, or the, even just like how it ends up causing you to view like customers as, as obstacles like uh, a big thing out here is, uh, you know, the sort of like you have to try to, to deliver it. And then if they're not home, like you can leave it somewhere and do the sorry I missed you thing. But basically the the routes that delivery drivers are given and the expectations of the amount of packages they're given are not enough time for a person for them to knock on a door, wait for someone to come to the door and then sign for it. Yeah. So a lot of times you'll just get the you'll get the. One knock, they leave it on the door, and they say that they they missed you. Or right. like I I or like I've even gotten like knock, and then I get like an email, and it's like a photo of the package in front of my door, and they're like, oh, you weren't home, so we just left it there, and it sucks because like I know there's definitely people who are gonna complain about that kind of stuff, but it's also like that's literally like that the driver is not the one who's being put in that position to deliver packages that way. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Now like. That's a policy problem. Uh, you know, like most most issues that come down to like frontline workers, it's like, no, this is that this is actually a policy problem and this is by design. And, you know, like basically any any frontline worker is like their their position is designed as like a fall guy. You know, for for the productivity that like the uh, that the stakeholders want. Uh, and you know, number go up. Exactly. They're, they're always put into the, the contradiction of number go up and, but we have to do it this way, uh, is, is localized entirely within the act, within, uh, the, the realm of what the worker has to do. And it functions both in like, we can state that this is their policy. And then when they do it, it's good. Um, and then also we can retain a reason to fire them if we need to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's uh, 
There was like that whole thing. Do you remember seeing this? Where like, and I I buy this conspiracy when UPS got in like bad press because one of their drivers was shot by a cop during a hostage situation, and the UP a UPS official company issued an apology to the police. Dude, like like I, literally I remember issued an apology this, yeah. that was like. Oh my God, our hearts and minds, our hearts and prayers go out to all those brave cops who tragically had to shoot and kill one of our drivers uh, during a hostage yeah. situation. And they got like a bunch of bad press for it. And then out of nowhere, there was suddenly all these viral videos of people's Amazon doorbell things that like record you uh, showing like ups drivers being like quirky and cute and like oh they're going out of their way to like hide your package for you and they're like doing all these things that ups drivers absolutely do not do because it would cost them their job because it would slow their delivery time right down that's so fucking Uh, weird and so it's stuff like that where it's like there we we need to create this image that our drivers go above and beyond uh but also they need to stick to like their time restrictions, which are decided by an algorithm, which doesn't account for going above and beyond. It accounts for getting the job done. Uh, and our solution to how they're supposed to do that is that they should. They should just do it. Uh, a personal example was I, I used to work for... Uh, can, we, can we say... Can we say... I used to work for... <laughs> um, and around when I left... Well, this was like years and years ago, so it's probably gotten worse. They had us do this like training module that was like, we're having you also add to do like this thing onto your transaction, and you have to do it onto every transaction, even if somebody's just buying staples. Um, and uh-huh. it was like the the end result of the amount of things that they wanted us to tack onto our transactions to try to make number goes up was about five or seven, like, different things. Like, try to sell them a warranty. Try to sell them this service. Try to get their name. Try to get them signed up. Try to get their address. Try to get all this information from them. Uh, But also, your transactions need to be, like, quick and efficient. And I remember this distinctly. In the training module, one of the things was, like, let's go over, like, some, like, myths and facts about this. And one of them was, like, myth. Um... There's just not enough time in every transaction to do all of these things and uh, commit to, like, excellent and quick customer service. Fact. As an employee of you only have one job, like, fulfilling the customer's needs. And that includes doing all of these things and also having excellent and quick customer service. And I'm like, that's not a solution. Yeah. (laughs) That just includes badgering the shit out of someone. Yeah, that's you. You just told me to like. I you just said it is a myth that the actual physics of how time and space work will prevent you from doing <laughs> this. Uh, no, it shouldn't. <laughs> Be better at your job that we pay minimum wage for. Oh my god, that okay. Funny that that type of shit has been like. That I mean, like so many places have just awful, awful awful policies like that i i definitely remember my my fair share um i i love that uh gamestop uh just completely an unrelated tangent but gamestop which is like a horrible 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 about that shit just like the five things that they have to say to you while you're trying to just buy your one copy of like a pre-owned fallout game or whatever like <laughs> trying, trying to, buy to the, be the an fallout essential business dlc 
Yeah, yeah. Try, trying to buy like my sixth copy of Oblivion on a different uh, console <laughs> for some reason. Um, but just the whole their whole like essential business fiasco and like getting fined and like all this shit is ah uh, so so choice. Finally, like something I don't know something worth celebrating and all of this is is GameStop the, getting fucked. The, yeah, the Gordon Ramsay finally some good fucking food. Uh <laughs> and it's like that's this film really shows how like the gig economy essentially is trying to like get around that by like I said earlier just shifting all of the risks of that onto the the employee and still continuing yeah. to take the lion's share of the profit. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck that. Uh, and fuck capitalism, fuck Thatcher, fuck Reagan. Uh, fuck and... Reagan, fuck Bush, fuck Trump, fuck Obama, yeah. probably. I, 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 the 2008 financial no. crisis. That, okay, that was actually something else. I love that the film drove a direct line from the 2008 financial crisis to the current events of now. Yeah, yeah, because, that was cause, really... Because they explicitly say that, like, they, the the family we are seeing was basically on the 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 morally right correct uh conservative of center fantasy of like fulfilling the middle class dream and the 2008 financial crisis literally ruined their life and they have been subserving at poverty wages forever uh-huh and i yeah, love that like I, mean, I i i love how the film is just like explicitly like hey this like that that crisis is how we got here. Yeah, absolutely. And like, because that is like my family, you know, that's like everyone's family. It was just like, our, our all of our plans were so different before that shit happened. And like all of what we wanted and all of that is just like completely in thin air now. Um, you know, like, like my, not to, not to kind of throw too much information into the ring, but like, you know, my parents, like, Retirement is up in the air and, and now their social security is up in the air because uh, there's so much instability right now um, and and so much, you know, constant, uh, so much constant pressure to erode social security uh, and any kind of social securities um, that like, yeah, things like, you know, people, people, capital P, people are just going to be more and more fucked, uh, you know, kind of as this goes on. Uh Unless we do something about it. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. If only there was something we could do about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I am very quickly trying to look up this this name of a book about the 2008 financial crisis, which I read very recently that I highly recommend. Oh, you know what? I know I'll find it because I tweeted about how uh, there's a part in the book where they talk about And it's nonfiction. Uh, there's a part in the book where they talk about with the, the several times over the course of the events that banks literally... Uh, sent hired killers to threaten people involved with like, oh, we're going to kill you if you don't drop this. That's great. Yeah, no, that uh, shit, that shit does happen. Yeah, it's, 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 it is insane how if you start reading about stuff like related to like finances or like government, anything and like malfeasance that you really only have to take like one or two steps into it before you start finding out that like, yeah, hired killers real. (laughs) (laughs) 
Literally uh, assa- everywhere. Assassinating key witnesses in uh, a foreclosure case because it would reveal that the banks were, uh, that the entire banking system was based on fast corruption. It happened. Like, like, like verified <laughs> fact that it happened. Uh, I... The book... The book is called Chain of Title by David Dayan. Very, very highly recommend it if you're interested in knowing more about the 2008 financial crisis and how it got us to where we are today. Uh, it focuses specifically on the housing element of it, but it it basically reveals like here's how the economic system was built on the back of like of like magic card trading, essentially. Uh, and then when those cards fell, it was just like quickly 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 offset all of the all of the the burden of costs to people who bought houses yeah lovely loves it uh but yeah please check that out i feel like there's a larger contingency of like hired assassins in america than there are like some like identities it's it's really is the gig economy (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the original gig economy oh boy when you get the um, Uber, like the Uber Black or whatever it is on there, that's actually what you're hiring as a trained killer. <laughs> that's actually where Bernie Sanders' policy failed. He didn't have any like social protections for assassins. It's you know, and it's it's the, as an economy, they are also like kind of too big to fail, and uh, <laughs> that they are and that they are very large men who could break your neck with their hands. And they will not fail because you are like, and they will not, and they, they, yeah, they will not fail because they are a big guy for you (laughs) (laughs) because they know where you are and they will find you. Uh, Um, that's, I don't know. That's all I have to say about, Oh, who do you think, who do you think Kevin Spacey contracts his kills out to? (laughs) Um, there's probably like a company at this point, like, do you think they know, have like, like a? Because I know I know Amazon. Well, because I was saying Amazon does a lot of like, uh, like their their secret like big big money makers. They do uh, cloud cloud hosting. That's what the whole AWS stuff is, um, for like mm-hmm. governments and stuff. So I imagine it's it's almost definitely through that, like Amazon dot yeah. work or something. Yeah, it's something <laughs> that's like, oh, here's our cloud storage uh, solution, uh, with uh, you know, but like. It's like shipped under the table. It's like a dark web, uh, like terminal. I wonder if Amazon workers have to deliver like, uh, like ketamine and guns every now and then. Oh, probably. I I feel like I, I an Amazon worker has probably at some point transported a murder weapon, or like something that was poisoned to take out somebody. Yeah. Fuck it. Um. Yeah. We're having a normal one. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's a great film. Uh, I yeah, I I think I'll probably try to check out some more of Ken Loach's stuff at some point. I've got a I've got a pretty pretty major watch list that I've been slowly making my way through this quarantine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and looks like there, uh, Grand Illusion put up some new movies that they're going to be having screening soon. So maybe we'll. Give some of those little looky-loo and give a little yeah. talky-talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, watch watch some with us. Uh, if you're in Seattle area, and even if you're not in Seattle area, you can support um, our theater. But if you're not in Seattle area, you know, and, and you have, like, an independent theater that you like, you know, check in with them. Um, yeah, I know. It's, see, see what they're doing. Some other ones are doing different things. Uh, another really good theater out here, The Beacon, 
opened up a store. Yeah. And so I bought their famous uh, Rip Bezos shirt, uh, which has like a cinema, like a it's very good to promo like, this episode. Yeah, very good, like avant garde, like like logo on it, sort of thing, and like it's like a long sleeve shirt, and then on the back is just a gravestone that says Bezos. <laughs> yeah, one of the most They're... balls out moves I've ever seen from a small business, and they do deserve your support to buy that shirt. <laughs> yeah, a hundred, a hundred fucking percent. Uh, they came out with a new shirt um, that I thought was really, really fun. Uh, it was like Calvin pissing on like, oh, it's just like Calvin oh, pissing on the text that says, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Streaming they, movies I, at home like a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. They they sent me a pin of that with my shirt. Oh, that's so cute. So I have this little pin of Calvin pissing and it says streaming movies at home like a fucking asshole. And then there's the, the Beacon logo behind him. I love it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the Beacon's great. Uh, all of our indie theaters are great, and all of your indie theaters are great too. I'm I'm certain. Yeah, no, uh, I've I, I I will say, uh, in almost every place I've lived, I've I've always checked out the indie film scene, and I've I've yet to find a theater. Uh, I found some theaters where like like it, they weren't great in terms of like f- like the actual physical capabilities, but if somebody is like willing to make an independent theater like run and work. They almost always have like a real strong love of programming or weird or independent cinema, and they are a thousand percent worth your time and support. So you know, reach out, see see if there's any in your area uh, that maybe you haven't put off and checking out. See if they're doing anything that you can help them out with right now. Yeah, yeah. Now um, more than ever, you gotta you gotta support small businesses because they're not getting a fucking multi-trillion dollar bailout hell fucking no they aren't just like you aren't pussy yeah you're getting your 12 Uh, you're getting your one time 1200 uh trump bucks payout which you will use to buy (laughs) fantasy dildos and dvd copies (laughs) of movies that you and video games uh and then that's it rent freeze about getting a bike rent fuck you (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> gotta turn up the heat on this rent actually i big fan of a friend of mine who is like very excited to give my landlord 12 uh my 1200 dollars this month and then also they get an additional 1200 dollars just for fun from the government <laughs> makes a lot of sense um in summation what would you rather what would you prefer to spend your 11 dollars on i think it was 11 i'm pretty sure yeah, I, the, I, I've noticed that the prices vary. It's like 10 to 12 bucks, and I assume it's just something to do with how it's licensed through their, their streaming, the guys that they're doing. Um, sure. Maybe, like, maybe to go see uh, Give Me Liberty again, or half of a down payment on my Beacon Rip Bezos shirt. <laughs> There you go. Fair enough. Um, uh, but what I'm glad what you... I didn't spend it on, literally yeah. any ticket to an AMC movie. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, real shit. Um, uh, and what about well, you? Same same question. What are you, what are you glad? What do you, would you have rather spent your $12, $10 to $12 on? And what do you wish you spent? Or what are you glad you didn't? Yeah. 
Um, I would rather have spent my 11-ish dollars on... Um, I don't know, maybe a new shade of nail polish or something. Something to, something to get me through the quarantine, you know? Get some, get some nice, get some nice colors going. Maybe some home acrylics or something fun. I don't know. Uh, and I would not rather have spent my money on, uh, Prime membership. Because fuck you, Bezos, we're coming for you, don't, fucker. And don't cross the picket line. I, I actually don't know if that's still going on right now. Uh, uh, I consider it going on all the time. Yeah, frankly. yeah. No, same. I, I've been I've been kind of doing my part to try to try to source anything I'm buying lately from literally anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I had to buy some shit to take care of my boots because I noticed while doing my my government mandated walk that they uh getting a little scuffed up and dirty so i went directly to doc martens and bought them instead of amazon yeah that's how you do it uh it's actually honestly i found that like buying directly from like people uh to be a lot nicer because they just have like because because then it's like you can have your little i don't know I find that, like, retailers are, are more inclined to give you, like, hey, here's 20% off something else if you need to get some other shit. Whereas, like, you, if you just, if you're just doing all your shopping on Amazon, that, you know, doesn't ever come up. Um, yeah. Which I say to incentivize people to stop shopping on Amazon. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much, pretty much yeah. it. Uh, do we have any, any, any sign offs we want to say or, or special thanks to our patrons as always? Yeah, we love our patrons. Um, thank you so, 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 so much as always. Um, and yeah, coming up next month, uh, we got Dern Gang. Uh, Dern Gang. Dern Gang, Dern Gang. We're going to be looking at Laura Dern's filmography. It's going to be really fun. Um, and I can't wait to do that. Uh, we don't really have much else. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still chugging away at you know main mainline film critters stuff. Definitely. We um, we we might have. Uh, it sounds like our, our current plan is we're gonna actually shift gears because the one we're working on, kind of a, a lot of a lot of work, kind of a downer for right now. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's we're really excited about it, and we're we're definitely still intending to do it. Uh, but it's just not what the world needs or wants at the moment. So we got we got something uh, a little more fun coming out. <laughs> a little more lighthearted, a little more, you know, a little more cinema focused. Uh yeah. And so that's going to be really really fun. Um anything else? Um I think I just found a friend's earring from like 6 months ago. <laughs> Jay's got the uh, earring, so, so if you lost an earring at Jay's uh, at Jay's house, then uh, hit us up. Hit me up, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, film critters at uh, hellokitty.biz. That's not a <laughs> Dot gov. Uh... <laughs> .gov. Uh, I'm sorry. I fucked it up. Um, uh, but yeah, and, thank uh, you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Have a good quarantine. Stay safe. Dream. 
And <laughs> we will see you again real soon. Yeah. Sweet corn dreams. We'll see you soon. Stay safe. Stay healthy, etc. Uh, yeah. We love y'all. Bye. 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 Oh, Stop sink. this.